friends, we've been um, looking at a series of messages in our evening sermons and um, coming back to that now after a brief uh, hiatus, if you will, over Advent. But um, we're looking at just a couple of verses, just um, parts of verses actually um, related to God's guidance tonight. Our God is a God who guides us, and how does that transform our lives? So just a, a couple of verses here, Isaiah 58, verse 11, the, the first part of that. We read, the Lord will guide you always. The Lord will guide you always. Think about that, and then think also of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Familiar words, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your paths straight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Beloved in Christ, today we see our God is a God who guides us. Our God guides us. Think of it. The one who created the universe sees fit to guide the human beings he created. The sovereign Lord over everything deigns to offer guidance to us, his tiny little creatures. He guides us. When you do a word search on the word guide in the Bible, you come up with that word a lot in the Old Testament. You heard a couple of uh, places where we think about guidance, but actual word, do any of these sound familiar? He guides me along the paths, the right paths for his name's sake. He guides the humble in what is right. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Some familiar, perhaps, others not as much. Those were all from the Psalms. The psalm writer King David believed that God was the one who would guide him. His poetry tells of God's guidance. Stories, too, in God's word tell us of a God who guided his people. Think of all the stories of the battles that King David was in and won because of God's guidance. But back up a bit. Take Noah. God tells him to build an ark and then guides him with exact instructions on how to build it. Or Abram, God tells him to leave his country, guides him on where to go. And what about the nation of Israel? God guides them every day through the wilderness, guiding them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Take Moses. God commands him to build a tabernacle and then guides him with instructions on how to build it. Same thing with Solomon years later building the temple. And what about all those laws in Leviticus? Those are God's guiding of his people on the best way to live and stay alive. When you're sick, do this. When you're hungry, eat this. When you worship, worship like this. And then the New Testament, the disciples spent three years with Jesus, learning God's guidance from Jesus. The Apostle Paul got guidance from God in Acts 16. The book of Acts actually is all about God's guidance for those early missionaries, wasn't it? If Paul is trying in Acts 16 to go up to 
Mycenae and Bithynia, and God guides him away from there to Troas and eventually Macedonia. God guided him in dreams and visions. And even Jesus, God's own son, sought his father's guidance. When he chose his disciples, he prayed all night for God's guidance. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed and prayed for God's guidance on what would come next. And his father guided him straight to the cross. This is our God, our God. He guides us, directs us, moves us, nudges us. This is our God, and that is transformational for our lives, isn't it? To think that the one who sees everything all at once, past, present, and future, sees everything clearly from above, who is omniscient that way, knows all, to think that our God has in mind to share a little sliver of that omniscience in order to guide you, guide me, as part of his giant master plan of everything. That is astonishing when you think about it. Not only that, we don't only stare dumbfounded at how incredibly gracious God is for sharing his perfect guidance. Wow! We also recognize that God's guidance is so necessary for us. We live in a confusing world. Confusing, isn't it? So many choices, so many decisions, so many things going on that we can be a part of or should we stay away from them? Think of all the decisions that you face this week. Not the unimportant ones like drinking coffee or tea or going out to Chick-fil-A or Culver's. Do I want a delicious butter burger or an out-of-this-world chicken sandwich? Not those decisions, rather the big ones, the ones we agonize over, the critical decisions, the ones that we will have repercussions on you or your family or your employees or your friends for months to come, the big ones, the ones where our lives are kind of at a crossroads. Do we move away or do we stay? Do we major in this or major in that? Do we go for this job or that job? Does my business collaborate with this company or that one or none at all? Do I date this person or not? Marry this person or not? Do we choose homeschool, Christian school, public school? Do I hang out with these friends or those friends? Do I invest this way or that way? Do I take out a loan or just wait a while and save? Do I go with this treatment for my medical condition or that one or none at all? Fill in your own critical decision. What you have learned growing up, what wisdom you've gained over the years, how friends are pushing you, there are often times we find ourselves still stuck, frozen, high up on the precipice of a decision. And while frozen there, the realization hits us, there are confusing choices to be made in our world, in our lives, and we need guidance that is beyond us. We need God's guidance. And so we think about that favorite verse of so many. We read it, trust in the Lord 
with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. And we think, yep, that's right. My own understanding on this matter doesn't see enough of the big picture. I need to trust God and get his guidance. All right? How are you going to do that? And then you think about Isaiah 58, verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. Did you hear that? God is ready, in other words, to offer you his guidance, ready to guide you always. But now how do you bring those two verses together? We get it, right? We, we can't always trust our own understanding on things. So we've got to pull back on that. And then since we've made room now, God will guide us. But there's something missing, isn't there? It's not this automatic voice from above we'll be hearing, typically, is it? I don't know too many people who very confidently can say, I audibly heard God give me guidance this morning as I was praying. Or God gave me a vision last night, told me exactly what my decision should be. It doesn't seem like on a regular basis God works that way, uses that strategy for getting his guidance down to us. So how do we bring those two verses together? Lean not on your own understanding. I'll pull, I'll pull that back and make room for the God who always guides me and sit there and I'll wait for the voice. And friends, you might be waiting a long time. God wants us to grow, grow closer to him, closer to Jesus. He wants us to grow in his wisdom. He wants to grow us in his wisdom. The, the Apostle Peter closes his second letter saying, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God's way of bringing those two verses together is to grow us up in his wisdom. One writer says it like this. I've met people who when they get to a a crisis point, a decision point, a crossroads in their lives, they pray, oh God, give me a vision, give it to me right now. And when nothing happens, they, well, they pick up their Bibles and say, oh God, let this Bible fall open to the answer I'm looking for. And then they open their Bible and they read an entire page about how many cubic feet the courtyard of the temple was supposed to be. And in near desperation, they pray, God, send someone to me right now who's had a word from you that they can share with me and tell me what to do. Entire day passes. No one speaks to them. So they lay their heads on their pillow at night, and suddenly they get mystical. All right, God, they pray, I, I, I desperately need a dream. Tell me in my dream what I should do. But in the morning, the only thing they can remember is that they still don't know what to do. So with a sigh of despair, they find a quarter, and they start flipping. But friends, God wants us to grow, to grow us up daily, daily, well before the big decision is upon us. And that's how he brings those two verses together for us, I believe. He tells us to grow. And so we ask tonight, well, how do we do that? How do we grow? First, we grow by reading, studying, meditating, reflecting, reflecting on God's word, the Bible. 
course that's how we grow, obviously. It's how we get ready for the big decision, for the crossroads, for all the confusing choices. We open God's word and we read it. It's the surest, most productive, most effective way to receive God's guidance. It's the Bible. It's his word to us. As one writer puts it, almost all that we need to know is right here. Often the only thing that's, our, that's missing are the details. God has already told us in general terms how he wants us to live and love and talk and take care of our bodies and handle our finances and pray and function as a member of a family or an employee or a church member and any number of other issues. And, and reading about these things, studying them, makes a whole lot of decisions that we face really turn them into no-brainers. Should I take the money I'm saving for a down payment on a house and go to the casino and gamble it all away because I can gain so much more? I know the risk is great, but look at the reward. And the truth and wisdom of the Bible will tell you a get-rich scheme like that or gambling hard-earned money. That's a no. It's a no with a capital N. If you have a decision as a business owner to, a, to lie to a, to a customer, you have, you have that decision. Will I lie? Will I cheat them by telling them that my cost of materials is much higher than it is and I have to pass that cost along to them? It's a no-brainer. You don't lie. You don't cheat. Spelled out clearly in God's word. I want to marry this guy. We're, we're so compatible. We can finish each other's sentences. And he's so cute and personable and kind and caring. He holds the door open for me. Well, no, he's not a Christian. He doesn't want anything really to do with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6.14. You'll find the answer. It's no for a marriage with an unbeliever. Always no. It's the most direct route to God's guidance, his revealed word, his revelation, his guidance from first page to last. 2 Timothy 3.16, many of us have memorized it. All scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work and, may I add, every decision. Second. We grow by the witness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised to his followers, one who would come after me, after him. John 14, 26, he says, But the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Think of it. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God, and he grew up his disciples in knowledge and wisdom. And now he tells them that the Father will send in Jesus' name another advocate, another counselor, another teacher, and wisdom bringer, the Holy Spirit. He'll take over and teach the disciples. We are his disciples now. We are. Is this Spirit who is God still at work doing this? Of course he is. And some of you have felt his gentle nudgings haven't you? His gentle teachings, his gentle spiritual promptings when you faced a decision. Perhaps it was as you were reading God's word or you woke up one morning, prayed, and 
felt a nudge about what you should do next, this still happens today, beloved. And it's one of the ways we grow in wisdom, especially as we face the big decisions in life. There, there's a ministry similar to Jews for Jesus that ministers to Jewish communities all around the world with the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's called Chosen People Ministries. This story comes from one of their missionaries who lives in Indiana, ministering to Jews. He writes, recently my wife and I were visiting our daughter in North Carolina. And one morning outside the coffee shop, I saw a man in a wheelchair with an I'm homeless sign. I asked him what I could get him. He said, hot chocolate with sugar. And I went inside, back into the cafe. I said, I'd like a hot chocolate. Server said, here it is, immediately. I wondered how she could know so quickly. I wanted a hot chocolate. Turns out another man, Joe, in the cafe, had also asked the homeless man the same question. We looked at each other amazed, and then I saw he had a Bible. And after Joe gave the man the hot chocolate, we sat down at a bench and started talking about the Lord. He told me he was meeting a former pastor of his who moved to Charlotte but was now returning to Greensboro to plant a church. And the new church would be near the Elon campus, which has about 6,500 students, and 10% of them are Jewish. And the pastor, when he arrived, wanted to learn how to share the gospel with the Jewish people. And also, Joe said he himself was sharing the gospel right then with a Jewish person. And I directed him to our I Found Shalom website. We ended our time praying for the church and for them to reach many Jewish students. It is so exciting, he writes, just seeing how God arranges divine encounters when you least expect it with believers who want to reach our Jewish people with the gospel. This man, that's his job. He reaches people with the gospel, and there he met someone needing to learn about that. The gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit put that man visiting his daughter out of state in a coffee shop to meet another brother in Christ that he didn't know who needed his encouragement and needed his help in reaching a Jewish person for Jesus, something the man had oodles of experience himself with. God arranged that as the missionary made the decision to give hot chocolate to a homeless person of all things. And that is called listening, believing in the witness of the Holy Spirit. Third, we grow by hearing the advice of wise Christian brothers and sisters. How does Proverbs 24, verse 6 say it? Interesting proverb with a truth we need to hear. Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many, emphasis on many, many advisors. Along those lines, Proverbs 12, verse 15, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. We grow when we seek advice from wise fellow Christians who may well know our own weaknesses and our own biases 
and our own blind spots, they're in a position to offer us kind and loving advice. And fourth, we grow by remembering who we are, recognizing how God made us, what our gifts and talents and passions are, what our personality is, what skills we have honed for God in our lives. We truly are fearfully and wonderfully made, each of us unique. We each have skills and gifts and talents that make us one of a kind. And this too, knowing who we are, how God has made us to be, this too prepares us, gets us ready for decisions that lie before us. In those four ways, God grows us up. His word, his Holy Spirit, trusted advisors, and the unique way he made each one of us. All four of these will help us receive God's guidance. What happens, though, if a decision we've made has messed up our lives that happens, doesn't it? We made a wrong choice. And what are we going to do about it now? Well, the same God who gives guidance can also fix things, can't he? He can fix things in each of our lives. Wrong paths we went down, wrong decisions we've made. Didn't listen to his guidance back then. The God who guides, though, can also fix things. Think of it. Your tiny sliver of a life on this planet, in this huge universe, certainly God can fix some wrong path you went down. If God can fix the fall into sin by offering his son Jesus, I mean, the fall into sin, that was a path of epic proportion made in the Garden of Eden. They were guided by Satan when they reached out and ate the fruit. If God can fix that, he can certainly fix one of our wrong decisions. No matter how big it looks to you or to me, it doesn't even compare to the epic proportion of that first original sin that plunged humankind into rebellion against God. And certainly it doesn't compare to God's giant master plan for everything. It won't jeopardize that plan in the slightest. God may need to grow you up some more as he fixes the bad decision, but you didn't throw anything off of his. I mean, how does he say it? We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And if God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare his own son to fix the world. So death, life, angels, demons, the present, the future, no powers, height, depth, anything in all creation, including our wrong decisions, our wrong choices, the wrong paths we've taken, None of it will be able to separate you from him. And that's good news from the God who guides us and fixes us, who guides everything and fixes everything. 
Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful that you are a guiding God, that you see fit to guide us in our daily living. Sometimes it's awfully hard to to get a bead on what you're wanting us to do, what decision you want us to make. But Father, grow us up. Grow us up in your word. And as we listen to the Spirit's leading in our lives, as we talk with friends for their advice, as we look at who we are, how you've made us, and what you want us to be, grow us up so that more and more we will see that indeed you are always ready to guide us. And we don't have to trust in our own understanding of things. For you're always ready to guide us. Thank you for that. We trust you. Grow us up, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.